0: everyone, and welcome. My name is Jean Gallagher, financial advisor, founder of Seaside Solutions and founder of Discover Rising Tides. Welcome to show number 32, Discover Rising Tides, How the Outside Makes the Inside Better, where we explore the importance of the outdoors and maintaining life balance. And then through this series, we will be talking with women business owners to understand their journey. We'll also be hearing from Lynn Chusso-Williams, as always, author, coach, and her segment on rising up. But first, today I'm excited to introduce Miriam Borlikovsky. Hi, Miriam, how are you? I'm
1: great, how about you?
0: Very well, thank you. So let me, read, let me give everybody an idea about your background and then I'm excited for our conversation. So Miriam is a founder and CEO of Mindful Miri Method. She teaches mindfulness, yoga, and behavior change to busy women who wanna feel light, healthy, confident, and free in their bodies. Mindful Miri Method's mission that's a tough thing to say too fast. <laughs> Mindful Mary method mission is to empower 1 million women to improve their relationships with food, their bodies, and themselves through meditation, mindset, and movement. So she holds a board certification behavior analysis on educational an educational specialist degree in in school psychology, a 200-hour registered yoga um, YRT certification with Yoga Alliance. And she is a mother, a stepmother of four, former personal trainer, former dieter, which I know we're gonna talk about, and a recovering perfectionist. And she spends her free time hiking, ocean swimming, doing yoga, traveling, camping, and recording conversations with amazing women on her own podcast, which we'll talk on too. So welcome.
1: Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to
0: be here. Oh, I'm so excited about this too. And and it's it's it, it's always fun how we all get connected and met you through another person that I network with. So I'm really grateful for that connection. So there's a lot to talk about here. So give us a little bit about your background and your journey to where you are today. And I really I'm really looking forward to talk about the body positive piece too. Oh,
1: wonderful! Yeah. So uh, over the pandemic, I fulfilled a lifelong goal of getting a yoga certified, uh, certified as a yoga teacher. That was my project that kept me sane. And um, I had been practicing yoga for about 20 years, uh, first introduced to it in college. Um, I just felt like the clouds parted for me for the first time. Um, I was a very anxious child, um, very type A anxious throughout high school and, and college, and also uh, very insecure about my body. Um, I'm, I'm tall, I'm 5'9", and I weigh much more than most women um, do, and uh, to come to grips with that was a challenge, and I started teaching yoga uh, just after the pandemic, to a small, just a private, in in people's homes, um, or actually outside their homes, which is <laughs> fitting for our for our topic today, um, just on on people's front lawns, um, mm-hmm. my friends, and we would have um, a small group of women, a really great yoga session, and at the end of it, um, people would come up to me and just ask. Or comment about how great they feel in their body, and how usually they feel so insecure, and um, that you know that yoga really is helping them uh, feel stronger, less anxious, and just more in tune with their bodies. They're able to, they were able to um, read their body signals much better. Mm. And so I, I looked at that experience. I said, hey, you know, there's something here. You know, and I, I wanted. I wasn't sure what exactly I wanted to do with the yoga certification, but this gave me a really great direction. And I started looking at the research uh, about around yoga and body positivity and eating disorders, and it's very, very promising. Mm. And so, I basically, I pushed it away for a long time because I said, "Who am I as a you know former dieter, former." lots of things to um, be the leader in teaching others but someone said to me you know if you can teach the solution to your own biggest challenge mm. then you have arrived in the world and I thought
0: oh that's it I could do that. <laughs> well, true that is though. Really, you know, learning how to self-manage and work through the challenges that you come across is such a great way to learn. And I don't know about you, but I know that when I teach, whether I'm teaching financial concepts or whatever I'm teaching or talking to somebody about, the more I teach on something, the more that I personally learn. And I actually think that I might get more out of it than the person I'm talking to. Does that ever happen to you?
1: Absolutely. And in the, you know, I'm in education and in the school system, if you can if we can have students teach each other, mm-hmm. they have a much deeper um, sense of the knowledge and, and concepts if they're able to actually teach somebody else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think so, too. Now, I, I've been practicing yoga for probably more than a little bit more than 15 years. And um, and it is an important component to, to, for me as well and my... Uh, everything right uh, learning to breathe and um but you know what's kind of interesting and i'd like to just touch on this and i don't know whether you found this um in it is the influence that that our society has brought on to the yogic practice right because it is it can be it can be so not what it's supposed to be Right? The asana becomes really a performance place, and there's this lack of body positivity environment that can happen in, in, that, in, a, in a yoga practice, too. Did you have you found that?
1: Absolutely. Uh, there were times where I did not want to go to a certain yoga studio or a certain class. Because the bodies were so unlike mine, and I felt um, just other, mm. different. And I wanted to blend in. I want, you know, we have a deep sense of belonging of humans, with a need for belonging. And I wanted to fit in. Um, I ended up probably, most of the time I ended up going anyway, because I like to just face my fears and do it anyway, but it, there was definitely a lack of comfort and safety in, in the beginning.
0: Hmm. I like how you've, you put that, you felt other. Yeah, and because it, it, there are times where I felt that too. I've, you know, I've practiced in many different studios and lots of different places and even you know picking up a class if I'm traveling or something. And sometimes the studio feels very superficial which it's not supposed to be. (laughs) And then, and then other places just feel more grounded. And it doesn't matter what you wore to class. Right, right. (laughs) Right. So you don't need to make a fashion statement because that's not what you're there for. And I'm fortunate that the studio that I practice in right now is, it's actually a combination of male and female, sometimes almost 50-50, which is not is not always usual and but it honestly doesn't matter what you are or who you are or your size but that's that's really um it can be a reflection of the teachers too i think
1: absolutely they whatever they're they're putting out energetically can resonate with everybody or not at all
2: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) and So you have to be very cognizant as a teacher of what you're bringing in your emotional baggage, your Mm. thoughts and beliefs coming into the studio or the lawn or wherever you're teaching.
0: Yeah. And I, and I I think that that's really an important, it's an important thought for anybody that's, that's in any sort of an instructional position, whether it's coaching or yoga or whatever it is. And I like that you put that in a great way, that there you can't show up with your baggage. You have right. to leave that at the door and, and let and let the space allow for the energy that's going to be presented. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're we're there to create structure, to be guides, to be helpful. And if we're not holding the right kind of space for mm-hmm. um, for positivity and acceptance and things that should be valued in a yoga studio, then um, the top down, the yoga class is going to fall apart. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree very much. And so let's talk a little bit about the, the, (laughs) the body positive part and, and what, how did that how did, how did your realization come about for you? Because I, if you don't mind sharing, because I think that your story will resonate with other people as well. And for some it's, it's, Mm -hmm. if people can hear how one is dealt with or how felt through the process, it's always helpful to go, Oh, I'm not alone.
1: Exactly. And that's my goal too, is to make women feel less alone in their own struggle. Mm Um. Yeah, so I began, I guess what you might call a weight loss journey when I was eight, you know, second grade, and I saw a Slim past commercial, and I asked my mom if I could go on a diet, and I remember my mom, my mom had a friend over, and they laughed at me, <laughs> uh, which I might have, I might do that <laughs> to my too because it seems so preposterous at eight years old to go on a slim fast diet but that was very much media influence Mm -hmm. on on what was what we were supposed to do as women Mm -hmm. we were supposed to be on diets and if you're older and mature you know and beautiful on the commercial it says you were on this slim fast diet right um and I think that I think that was a pivotal moment for me, and I think that my own it's kind of I, I think of it as you know um, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and they they feel shame for the first time, mm-hmm. so there's this realization around that time in elementary school where you're like where you kind of look down and go, oh <laughs> you know there's a, there's a body here. It's growing, it's growing differently. And I look different than other people, or maybe I look the same and just that awareness and self-reflection. And I found myself wanting when I looked in the mirror. Mm. And that's really sad to think. I have, I have four children, um, age eight, 10, 12, and 14. And to think that any of them would feel that way is just, mind blowing to me, Mm -hmm. but at the time I, I was a very serious child. I really wanted to please, uh, I had some deep seated, not good enoughness going on. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I needed to start dieting. So I did. I, I went on a diet when I was in seventh grade, I went on a diet, um, that was like a zero fat diet which is very healthy for a growing brain. Yeah. and
0: <laughs> Not and, so much.
1: <laughs> there was a teacher's aide who was doing the zero fat diet. So I was going on the same diet and uh, would eat, you know, a banana, a fat-free bagel and uh, like carrot sticks or something like that. And was so hungry all the time. And I was, you know, competitive swimmer. So I, I was just very hungry. And I think that that kind of started my trajectory into binge eating uh, because whenever you restrict, you set yourself up for binge eating. And the studies have shown regardless of you know gender, uh, previous background, um, beliefs, if you restrict caloric intake, you have these behaviors that come out that you feel like you're crazy and you have to eat because we are biologically programmed to want that. And so it's very difficult within diet culture to make those changes because they set it, we're basically setting ourselves up for failure.
0: And then when you much. throw on top of that, the need for calories because of your exercise schedule Mm -hmm. for your competitive swimming and Mm -hmm. it's not unusual for high school athletes to to not consume the calories that they need for many different reasons Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so um I keep going down the yeah no yeah chronologically
0: so, okay yeah please go ahead so through high school and then competitive swimming and then now what happens after high school and how does that translate into adulthood and still that mm-hmm. worry about your body image
1: uh so I would go through periods of you know restricting and also I tried uh stimulants Uh, ephedra was big during my high school years and college and not only did it help me reduce my hunger but I felt this surge in my performance I was actually I ended up playing water polo and my performance was much much better with stimulants and Mm -hmm. you know we see that that effect with caffeine but it was not a healthy um not a healthy state Mm -hmm. to be in and definitely exacerbated my anxiety big time Mm. I am very careful about the caffeine I consume these days because I think it uh it just accumulates in my particular system but
0: I have that problem too like I can't anymore (laughs) yeah it's sad (laughs) it is sad I love my lattes (laughs) now I go
1: with chai chai lattes but I had to start with decaf chai too (laughs)
0: Oh yeah, I, I am, I cannot consume caffeine at all because there's that anxiety level or that, uh, the, the inability to dissipate the caffeine and it. it does build up and, uh, no bueno, <laughs> not Agreed. at all. Yeah, yes. not yes. at all.
1: So I was using thing you know, medicines that were not, um, prescribed for me or, um, and were were not beneficial to my organism. And um, not only did I feel more anxious, but then that led to overeating as a coping Mm -hmm. strategy. And just the constant social comparison um, that I engaged in was really just negative for me. Mm. I did a lot of negative self-talk just based on social comparison. I went to a they call it like the beautiful school you see santa barbara mm-hmm. and they everyone it seems seems like all the women were tall and thin and blonde and beautiful and they all played volleyball and uh i did not measure up or you know, that was the dialogue that was going in in my head i did not measure up i was not good enough i have to keep keep running my 5 miles a day and eat you know, small portions and be very careful. So I, I lost 30 pounds my freshman year. Wow.
0: Uh, so and that freshman 15 doubled in the wrong direction. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I was very strict and it was somewhat, um, it was a little easier because it was a dorm cafeteria. And so that the food was out of reach for certain hours of the day, but I was still on stimulants. I was still constantly sucking my stomach in and just living a life that I, that was not fulfilling at all, because I was constantly looking at others for approval and validation and not within. Mm -hmm. And so yoga was part of what brought me out of my head Mm -hmm. and uh, I, ironically enough back into my body <laughs> which is what I was fighting with so much and that with you know some therapy uh, I had a few other forays into Weight Watchers and Keto and Calorie Counting and Noom and something called Zoe and you know I just kept I I the perfectionist in me told me that it was my fault that I continued to struggle and it was not diet culture setting me up to fail, which it really is. Mm-hmm. It's not sustainable. Um, and really when once I released control and allowed my body to speak to me through hunger and satiety and actually mm-hmm. honored those, signals. That's when the craving stopped, the binging stopped. I actually preferred healthy foods. And I was so scared to let go of that, those reins. Mm. I was so scared. But the minute I dropped the reins was the minute that everything changed for me.
0: Mm. Once yeah. you gave yourself permission. Mm-hmm.
1: And so now, when I'm coaching women, I, I try to help them release that control and really focus on intuitive eating and being mindful about what they do and how they're living and get the focus away from, do I fit into this size and am I, oh, I was so good or I was so bad with my eating habits, but really... What does your body need today? And getting to a place where you can actually trust your body signals and rely on them to
0: feel really good Mm -hmm. all the time. So when you look at your body now, do you see yourself differently? I do. And how how did you teach yourself to do that? I love how you said that with a big smile on your face too. I do, I do. Ah: uh, A great question.
1: I think part of it definitely is reconnecting with my body mm-hmm. and looking at it from a functional perspective, in terms of what I'm able to do with it. It has carried me thousands of miles. you know these feet have carried me thousands of miles. These arms have swam you know a million laps and the, this body carried a baby and delivered a baby and, uh, carried two babies, one on each arm, you know, focusing on those things and really healing my, my own trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, I have some adverse childhood experiences in my past and, uh, healing that and thereby healing my body mind disconnection has changed everything for me Hmm. and now I just and most recently I did a boudoir session with uh, one of my favorite photographers and that was unreal I mean women everywhere must do this (laughs) empowering right it's so empowering amazingly empowering and I just felt like a goddess and a powerhouse and everything Beyonce and JLo all rolled into one and <laughs> you know, it was it was awesome and I was very nervous because you know you, oh yeah you're bearing your body to parts of your body not all of it but you know whatever you want to bear uh, but I yeah I felt completely at ease with my photographer Melissa, Melissa Guerra, who is on my podcast as well, and she did a phenomenal job of just putting me at ease and being my biggest cheerleader, and I just walked away from that experience with my shoulders back and my, you know, hips swinging, and I just felt like, like a goddess. It was amazing.
0: <laughs> that's phenomenal. That's really, that's really incredible, and, and, in brave, brave (laughs) brave to show to show a vulnerable piece of you someplace right not that you're going to show it someplace but you know to expose yourself to that to everything that goes into letting go yeah Mm. and so you know you're talking about your your challenges as a as a young girl but that was really before social media came into play Yes. And so here you are in the school system as a school psychologist, correct? Yes. And you can see the how do you how is social media really influencing young girls? Or teenagers now? And and is that anything that we can rein in or how do we combat that?
1: it's a, it's a very different world. Mm. And I try to rein in my thought process around it because when it was my generation, it was, oh, TV's ruining your brain. And you know, before that it was radio is ruining your brain or, <laughs> you know, so I, and I'm very tech, I'm a technophile. So I, you know, love Uh, Is that the right word for it, Mm -hmm. regardless, Um, but I enjoy technology and it it can be used for good. Mm -hmm. That's that's the big point that I'd like to bring home. I think that we can really use it for good, but there is the possibility and potential for too much social comparison, right? right? And shaming. Yes.
0: Yes. Either self-shaming or mm-hmm. shaming of others based upon looks or anything. Um, anything. Absolutely. And
1: so rather than, you know, my generation, I could go home and I had sort of a refuge. This generation, they come home and they're still on their phones mm-hmm. unless somebody puts on screen time or takes their phone away. And they are continuously looking if they've gotten more likes or if somebody mm-hmm. else posted and how they compare to you know somebody else and things like that so I think that real. I think all things in moderation just like everything else media consumption mm-hmm. in moderation and it's it it does affect our youth in a big way absolutely it I'm seeing more and more suicidal ideation at the fifth mm-hmm. and sixth grade level. Oh, wow. Uh, than I have in previous years. And um, I've been in the school system about 12 years. And much of it is attributed, I, I attribute much of it to either social media peer relations. So mm-hmm you know, who said who, who, said what on Snapchat to whom uh, or the social comparison itself
2: mm-hmm.
1: and also what they're exposed to. So if if they see somebody who has, you know, a million likes and she's wearing a crop top and bikini underwear and dancing around, then that's what we're gonna think, that's what a child is gonna think is supposed to happen in order to be loved and validated, right? Mm-hmm. But there are, I have seen a number of therapists, uh, MFTs, doctors, teachers going on the, the, you know, younger generation, social media, like TikTok and creating some positive, very positive uh, messages and reels for youth and, 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 it it's a, it can be a platform for good i really mm-hmm. do think so
0: and we just need to one like you said teach moderation but number two make sure that there's enough positive information to to reach these kids so that they're only, they're looking at at the right information at least sometime yes yes exactly
1: and there's no way to you know police that necessarily mm-hmm. unless we're we're looking at YouTube kids or restricting it down I know that there have been uh, I believe it's, it's either common sense media or something like it started a channel a social media channel that was a little bit um, more monitored mm-hmm. but children are going to go out in the world and we can only protect them so much so we need to have this conversations about what it means to be loved, lovable, worthy, and hope that they take what input they get from the outside, what white noise, mm-hmm. through that lens of, oh, this is superficial, my mom told me this, my family, this is what my family uh, values are, and Hopefully
0: that is imprinted on them. And they make good decisions. That's good. Yeah. And, and, and support and support them through that and making sure they know that there are resources to help. And but the social media piece doesn't just affect the kids. It also affects the adults similarly. And we and, you know we're supposed to look like something or picture. We're supposed to look like pictures that are photoshopped. That doesn't help at all plus the social media right and then and then and then you come home and you step on the scale and now you're looking at a number that honestly doesn't mean a thing but you believe it means something because you're port- you're thinking in your head what you're supposed to portray
1: exactly yeah.
0: I and, think and, lot- yes go ahead. no i was just going to say that the, the scale thing is 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 big for me right mm-hmm. so um i'm five, seven, right? I'm fairly largely boned built, right? So I, I weigh more than what another five, seven person weighs. And if you compare the scale number, I've always thought, well, I'm behind. I'm, I'm, I learned a lot from my daughter that's a nutritional coach. I'll tell you, she taught me a ton. And, and the relationship with food, as well as the relationship of what that number really means and it means nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> but we want it to mean something we want to identify with this number and so how do how do we how do you how do you change your relationship with with that thing you're standing on every day throw it out the
1: window <laughs> still stand on
0: it every day exactly
1: um, there there are different strategies I've used in the past I mean there are times where there have been years where I just got rid of my scale altogether. Um, but you can do little things like change on the back of the scale. Usually there's a thing that you can change from pounds to kilom- uh, kilo- kilogram. Mm-hmm. And so it, for me at least, because I'm, we're not on the metric system, that's less meaningful for me and less loaded. Mm-hmm. And so I would use that to sort of gauge where I am and whether I was on the right track. If I wanted to make some changes, Um, even just muscle, if I wanted to build muscle, Mm -hmm. um, I could, I could look at the kilograms moving. And uh, recently I had a body scan for a new, a new gym that I went, I started to go to called nine round, the circuit training gym. And uh, they had a really cool scanner and it's, I mean, I had been scanned with those electric things that you hold out in front of you back when I, I worked at 24 hour fitness, you know, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and they were very unreliable, not very valid and just made you feel like crap. And this one was fantastic. I, the first thing the trainer said, was, wow, you have 76 pounds of muscle. And I said, yeah, I do. You know.
0: And it was it was a different experience. So I've done uh, the body scan as well. And it does make a difference because you're looking at the number with a different relationship. Yeah. But you can also look at it and say, well, I don't have as much muscle as I would like to. So now I need to build the muscle. But what muscle mm-hmm. weight weight weighs more than fat. So now you're. Yeah you're understanding the relationship between the food that you're consuming to do this thing to build more muscle, right? Mm -hmm. And then yes, the number will go up, but it doesn't matter because you're becoming stronger.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, it can be difficult to wrap your head around weighing, being comfortable at a certain weight. Mm -hmm. And after society has bombarded you with BMI or everybody needs to be a size zero and 120 pounds, those kinds of things. I will never be 120 pounds. I could be, you know, my bones are 120, you know, and (laughs) my bones are related to your bones. (laughs) (laughs) And we're just meant to be all different. Mm -hmm. And I look at it, it, it's never been more telling. Then when I looked at, when I look at my stepchildren and my child, my son, mm-hmm. they are remarkably different. And, you know, my, my child is built like muscular, big bones. He is definitely not overweight, but he is, I mean, he's 102 pounds at nine years old, but he's also like five free, wow. you know? Yeah. And, and whereas my stepchildren are built much slighter, and they even, even our 14 year old probably does not weigh a hundred pounds, very slight. And just looking even on their silhouette, we're, we're just meant to be different genetically we're built differently. You know, you would never uh, not to compare us to dogs, but I do love dogs, um, you know, it, you would never tell St. Bernard that he has to look like a Chihuahua, <laughs> right? We're, we're all just built differently. And there's some beauty to being built differently. We either acclimated to our environment mm-hmm. or to survive in a certain genetic pool or whatever. But there are advantages to every body type. And we really have to be embracing that more and i am seeing a lot I, I am seeing an uptick in the diversity of bodies that i'm seeing in in the clothing industry mm-hmm. and among the models and i'm i'm excited for what the future holds in that arena
0: i think so too because a lot of the companies are realizing that there are plus size people that have outdoor activity needs but they but before the clothing industry wasn't even providing anything worth uh, for them. And so now you're seeing companies that are recognizing that, that yes, there are plus size people that, that hike or that swim or that do other activities. And it's an industry that that needs to be tapped because there's a need there to be respected as well. Absolutely. So when you're sitting with a client or what's the journey like for your client, working relationship so i do um
1: i work virtually and we do an initial consultation and intake and then i have a course set up on an app called the mindful mary app um, where they are led through a series of exercises in mindfulness cognitive behavioral intervention, which means think about thinking and how mm-hmm. our thoughts influence our behavior and our feelings. And then we also change our behavior mm-hmm. and, um, some positive psychology and yoga practices. And we put it all together into, uh, you know, a between six and 12 weeks, depending on the client's needs, I kind of tailor that tailor it but they go through that process and I provide weekly coaching and the results have been astounding. I mean, increases in body satisfaction by 60%. um, On average, I have uh, women who, so I I give them a pre and a Mm post-test. And we look at things like, um, I feel healthy. um, My family thinks I'm healthy. I uh, am in tune with my hunger, I honor my body's signals, Um, I love what my body can do for me, and they answer questions, or they they indicate their agreement on a scale from one to 10 with each statement before and after, and the results have just been phenomenal In, Mm. in their body reconnection in their gratitude for their body and appreciation in how they talk about themselves how they respond to weight loss conversations among friends Mm. and they've even had to you know change social groups because some of the social influences they had were so just into the diet culture you know you hate to to break up Friendships, but
0: but you, if it doesn't if you're serve you.
1: moving if it's not serving you and mm. you are moving forward and other people are not, you need to find people that share the common language, beliefs,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and upward spiral that you
0: are seeking. Right, I love the fact that you give them some way to measure the the change. Because it's not just because sometimes when you're doing this or you're going through a coaching situation over a course of time, you might not remember how you truly felt in the beginning. And that's really important to remember how you felt here so that when you're here, you can have a relationship with, with those things. So you can remind yourself that you have changed or congratulate yourself yourself for the changes that you've made?
1: Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm very data-driven and so I would never do anything without a pre and a post or without some scientific backing. Even though I'm in the new age field, I am very much grounded in science Mm -hmm. and everything that we do is tried and true, validated.
0: That's fantastic. So, so if people want to find you and get in touch with you, what's the Mm -hmm. best way to do that?
1: Uh, Instagram is Mm -hmm. my, my favorite platform of choice. Uh, So mindful underscore Miri, M I R I. Um, I also have a website, mindfulmiri.com, all one word. And that is a relay station for all things between the podcast, the app, my offerings. I have some free meditations on Insight Timer. I have some free videos on YouTube. All of those things are there.
0: Great. And you had mentioned that you had an offer for um, new clients. Absolutely. I would like to offer the listeners here a
1: 30-minute consultation for free. If you go on my site, there is a box that a little button that says schedule a consultation and you can pick a time and we will have a one-on-one session in which we look at where you are, where you want to go and what you need to get, do to get there. Wow. That's fantastic. no dieting required. <laughs> and so the site again is mindful Miri. So it's M I N D F U L. Pardon me. M I R I.com.
0: That's fantastic! Thank you, thank you so much for spending the spending some time with us today and talking talking about yourself too, and and sharing your journey because I think that that's really impactful, uh, in, in really the foundation of how, how you help others. Wonderful! Thank you so, so much for having me. It's been a yeah. pleasure. Oh wait, 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 wait! We have to talk about your podcast. I know, I almost yeah. forgot. So yes, yeah, so okay. give your podcast a shout out too.
1: Oh, Mindful Miri podcast you can uh, reach it on my site mm-hmm. or it's available on every, you know, Apple, Spotify, all, all the channel.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So check it out. So check out her podcast as well. So thank you so much, Miriam, for being with me today. and uh, I've so much enjoyed the conversation. I can't wait to host you on my podcast. I know, I'm looking forward to it too. We're going to switch the, switch the gears and, awesome. and you're in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. Alrighty. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Jean. Good to see you again. Great to be here. And so tell me, what do you have us for today in your Rising Off segment?
2: Well, today I brought you a poem from Kentucky, Mm -hmm. and uh, in Kentucky, we have a someone we consider to be a state treasure. He's been a Kentucky poet laureate. He's a environmentalist. He's an essayist and a novelist, and his name is Wendell Berry. And I came across a Wendell Berry poem recently that just made me think about discover rising tides and how the outside makes the inside better. And we know that uh, lots of people have had challenging times over the last couple of years and you know life gets challenging whether there's a global pandemic or not right sometimes and uh, this poem by Wendell Berry is all about uh, a way of coping that um, helps the outside make the inside better so I want to share it with you today and So I invite our listeners to maybe just close your eyes and take this in and just listen and and then maybe you can go and look it up and read it for yourself. Um, The title of this poem by Wendell Berry is The Peace of Wild Things. When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be. I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time... I rest in the grace of the world and am free. So that's the peace of wild things by Wendell Berry. And I hope it brings all of us in our imagination to a place where we can enjoy the peace of wild things.
0: Mm, That's beautiful. That just takes a minute to sit with us, doesn't it? Yes, yes, yes. That's really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. that that's um, very thoughtful and and it and it provokes thought too. Good,
2: good. I'm so you should
0: be I outside. So if anybody does revisit that, be outside with that at the same time. Yes, take it and, outside. And so before we go, I wanna give you a moment to talk to everybody about um, the Be More conference that you're producing that's coming up. So tell us all about that.
2: Oh, Jean, I'm glad you asked. The Be More conference for women. <clears throat> Uh, what is it? Uh, Miriam choked at the end and now I'm choking. The <laughs> Be More Conference for Women is in October. It's October 15th and 16th. It's a two-day online conference. And we have fabulous speakers, Dean Gallagher being one of them. And we are excited to bring one day of speakers in 20-minute, very consumable um pieces and our theme this time is show up for yourself and the world Mm. and on day two jean we're going to have a complete day of engagement so we'll have an opportunity for networking we're going to learn about and practice masterminding and we're going to learn about and practice collaboration Mm. so people have an opportunity on day two to come away with fantastic new connections, new ideas, support, and maybe even a new collaboration in their business. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can get a ticket for $27 that includes the recordings and it's at bemoreconference.com.
0: So you don't have to be an entrepreneur or a business owner. You just have to be curious.
2: Yes. And uh, we have a a community that engages in diversity and inclusion as a core value. And this is a conference for women, but it's a conference for all women. So we hope everybody will come and enjoy.
0: Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. And um, I can't wait. It's because it's always fun, even though I'm speaking, I learned so much from the other speakers and it's just fun to, to listen to the interaction and having that second day for everybody, the speakers, as well as the participants to interact with each other is going to be really the highlight, I think. I think so, too. I'm excited. Yeah, that's great. Thanks so, for asking. Yeah. So thanks, in And uh, so thanks for everybody for listening. And and just one other thought before we go. Today's show was sponsored by my financial services. So sol- boy, my financial services company, Seaside Solutions. And As a business owner, it's easy to be pulled in many different directions and often taking care of yourself plummets to the bottom of the list. For me, I find myself outside to reground. My time outdoors helps me manage my day more effectively and to be present for clients. Through this, Discover Rising Tides was born. At Seaside Solutions, we truly believe that education is the foundation of financial wellness. Our primary focus is to provide guidance that is designed to help you achieve your long-term financial goals and visions. Working within a plan allows space for doing more things that you love, like being outside to make the inside better. If I can help you create or realign your plan, or if you'd like to be added to my weekly newsletter, please let me know. And your referral means the big, big beautiful world to me. So if I can help, please let me know. And thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening today. Today's show was sponsored by my Seaside Solutions, my financial services company. As a business owner, it's easy to be pulled in many different directions and often taking care of yourself plummets to the bottom of the list. For me, I find myself outside to reground. My time outdoors helps me manage my day more effectively and be more present for my clients. Through this, Discover Rising Tides was born. At Seaside Solutions, we truly believe that education is the foundation of financial wellness. Our primary focus is to provide guidance that is designed to help you achieve your long-term financial goals and visions. Working with a plan allows space for doing more things that you love, like being outside to make the inside better. If I can help you create or realign your plan, or if you would like to be added to my weekly newsletter, please let me know. This week's topic was five ways to set more achievable goals. Your referral means the big, beautiful world to me. And if I can help, please let me know. And thank you so much for listening and see you next time. I'll keep on thriving, tight around